welcome to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here, where we ponder life from a biblical perspective, where salt makes us thirsty and light exposes darkness. Come, let's ponder these things together. Hello, I'm so glad you get to spend your moments with us today because there's someone that I would like you to meet. Please welcome Dr. Jeffrey Elliott, author of Restoring Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Elliott. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? I used to be an engineer, uh, and then I was a pastor, and now I'm the pirate captain at a mini golf. And so I've had a very varied background, but uh, I was an electrical engineer for about 20 years, and I've been a pastor for a little over 22 years. And just recently, my wife and I, we opened up an indoor uh, mini golf. That's wonderful. It sounds like God has really used you over a wide variety of areas. So you must meet a lot of people. Oh, yes. Yes, we meet a lot of people. In fact, with the mini golf, we have people from around the world who will come uh, down to our area. We're on the uh, uh, Gulf Coast in Alabama, and we have people from countries all over Europe and, and that come down here to enjoy the beach and to play our mini golf. That's wonderful. Wonderful. So how are you faring there during this pandemic time? Health-wise, we're doing fine. We, uh, none of our family members have uh, encountered this, and so uh, we're very happy about that. Financially, of course, we had to close the mini golf, and so that's been a little hard on us. But otherwise, uh, I mean, spiritually, I believe we're doing, we're doing great because we know that God is always with us no matter what we go through. Amen. Yes, very good point. So um, you're down there now, but where, where were you born and raised? Can we hear a little bit about your background there? Sure. Originally, I was born in Clarksville, Tennessee, and lived there until I went off to college. And I, um, in, in growing up in Clarksville, my parents were Christians, and uh, they went to church, and um, that's where I, I, I met the Lord at a very young age and served Him throughout uh, as best a teenager can, but served him where I could there. Wonderful. Yes. I'm glad he got a hold of your heart. And so where did you say you're located now and what brought you there? Well, we live in Daphne, Alabama now. Our uh, daughter and son-in-law uh, lived down in the, uh, in the Daphne area. And my wife's father uh, lives uh, uh, in this area as well. And that's the last parent that we have alive. So we just wanted to get closer to family. And uh, at the time, we were not pastoring a church. And we had the opportunity to move and decided uh, it was time. Always nice to be near family. That's good. It is. It is. Yeah. So you mentioned you did get saved um, as a teenager. Would you say there's been any spiritual transformation since then? Yes, actually, I was saved at the age of seven. Oh. Um, but as a teenager, I wanted to try and, and serve God. And so whatever areas I could find within church uh, for me to serve, I, I did. But when I went off to college, uh, I didn't have a church. And I wasn't going to church because I didn't know anybody in the area. 
and uh, just kind of fell away from the Lord at that time and got into a discussion with a friend of mine at the end of my freshman year about uh, biblical topics. And we came from different perspectives. And I realized while I tried to be a good Christian while I was young, I really didn't know very much about the Bible or even my own beliefs. I kind of parroted what I could remember in sermons, and it really bothered me. And so that summer, I, I wanted to look up some things in the Bible, read them for myself, and be able to defend what I believed. And plus, I wanted to know whether or not what I believed was actually in the Bible. So I began reading the Gospel of Mark. Mm-hmm. And in the process of that, uh, I expected it to be a very difficult thing to do. But I fell in love with reading the Bible. And I had, I had made a covenant with God and with myself that I would read one chapter each night, and I would force myself to do that just to get through it. And I found out that uh, I didn't want to stop it one chapter. I wanted to know what happened next. And as I began reading it, uh, I, once I finished the Gospel of Mark, I went to Genesis and I just started reading at the beginning and read all the way through uh, the Bible and found out that there was so much I learned in just reading it, uh, more than all of my years in, in church and Sunday school and all the sermons I had heard reading it myself, put everything into place, helped me to get rid of some uh, worldly ideas uh, about the Bible and become more um, biblically literate. That is wonderful. Yeah, we all have that spiritual journey, and I love it when we actually get to the book of the Bible ourselves and read it and come away with the truth that God has given us so that it is stuck in our hearts deeply. That's wonderful. Yeah. Salt creates thirst, doesn't it? You have a little taste. Yeah. You have a little taste of the word and you got to have more. Yes. Yes. So um, how is God using you now where you're presently at in ministry or work, speaking, writing? Are you doing any of those? Well, all of those. Uh, I have written a book, but I'm also working on a couple of other books that I'm uh, doing the research for right now. Uh, I do uh, some pulpit supply whenever that I'm, I'm needed. And obviously, um, you know, we're active in a church here, even though I'm not pastoring. And we, um, I also work with uh, pastors and doing some um, uh, professional coaching with them, uh, executive coaching. And I do uh, training with church staffs through uh, leadership training. Wonderful. Wonderful. So, you're helping others now at the other side, on the other side yes. as they're beginning. That's great. Yeah. So when did you become interested in becoming an author or writing? How long ago? Um, in the fourth grade. Fourth grade. Yay. <laughs> I started, uh, I started a school newspaper mm-hmm. and I got two or three of my friends together and assigned to them different sections of the newspaper and they would write a little something. We'd put it all together and mimeograph it off and sell copies of it for a penny to uh to other classmates uh-huh. and i had a friend of mine who was an artist and 
we put together a little book. He, I would write out some stuff, uh, handwritten and, uh, he would do the drawings for it. It was about a pet lizard that I had and we made up adventures for him. And, and so we were, you know, obviously there's only one copy of the book, but <laughs> we, you know, it was a lot of fun there. And, and, uh, in fact, I just, uh, uh, recently got some papers, uh, from my, um, from my mother, she passed away. And as we were going through stuff, she had saved a lot of my stuff. I didn't even know she had saved. And I had tried to write a regular long book as a child. Um, well, um, in the eighth grade and mm -hmm. I actually grabbed up my notes and thought, you know, I might be able to do something with that now. And so I'm looking into whether or not this is actually a feasible book idea or not. Good, good. Oh, yeah, it's always good to go back to those old journals and pull those things out, see what God did way back then and how he's grown it throughout the years, huh? <laughs> yes. So I see, as I went to look at your book online, I saw that you've written other books, but the, the book that we're going to talk about today is called Restoring Jesus. Is that right? It is. Yes, it is. Yeah, it looks like a wonderful book that has a very timely message for today. So what, um, what brought you to the point of realizing that you needed to write this particular book? I'm very concerned with the image that people have of Jesus in the world today. And statistics show us that as you go from older generations to more recent generations, the percentage that believe in Jesus or believe in God keeps dropping and dropping and dropping. And I'm very concerned about our young, our young people and their rejection of Jesus Christ mm. based upon really a false image that has been created by the media and some in academia. There is this idea I see over and over in social media and online presence that, that Jesus is a horrible person. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that if you believe in Jesus, it's all blind faith. And there's a lot of appeal to science and uh, believing that science has somehow disproved or shown Jesus to be false or something. And I've even read articles about how Jesus never actually existed. He's a made up character. I believe that most people sitting in the pews in churches do not have the tools that they need to be able to talk with their children and grandchildren mm -hmm. about why do I believe in Jesus? Why, how do I know Jesus is real? And how do I know that he is the son of God? How do I know that he is the Messiah? And so I wanted to write something that was accessible for everyone that would be short, not a big, long, giant book for people to have to read. I wanted them to have access to it so that they could understand that faith does not have to be blind. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is backed up by eyewitness testimonies of proof that Jesus was God. Why did the apostles just believe some guy that appeared out of nowhere who was a carpenter from a little fairly unknown town, fairly unimportant town, and, and suddenly just believed this guy was God. And they recorded all of that in the Gospels. 
And that's why I wrote the book. I wanted to get that into their hands for them to have the evidence that says, look, here, this is why I believe Jesus is God. This is, this is the evidence that I have. Wonderful. Yes. Very timely message for today because the Bible is being attacked more and more every day. Yes, yeah. yes it is. Yeah, it's good to, um, I was able to read a little bit of it online on Amazon, um, uh, the little excerpt in there. And you, your writing is very easy to read. It's a very easy read. So I Thank think you. it would be very good for parents, as you said, to share with their own children and grandchildren and a great legacy in that, res- in that way as well for, for families to pass on um, to help us share God's word with each following generation because it only takes one generation to walk away from the truth for it to be lost. Yes. Yes. So a very important foundation there that you mentioned. I would have to add that all of mankind would be the target audience for this book, but if you had to narrow it down, who would you say would be your target audience? Well, I would, I would love to have millennials and non-Christians read the book and and see that Jesus um, is real, that Jesus is God. Here's the evidence for it. Really, when I was writing it, I was thinking more of the average uh, Christian in uh, sitting in the pew in church that has children or grandchildren who have walked away from the faith, mm. and they they love them, they are concerned for them, they're concerned for their salvation, and they feel lost. Uh, at how to get them back to to church, get them back to Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and get them saved. And the standard, here's how you get saved presentations don't always work for somebody like that. They they need something more. And I recently spoke with a a, a pastor that I was coaching. Uh, He's got a fairly good-sized church. And one of his spiritual leaders came to him and said, I'm thinking about leaving the church. I'm Mm -hmm. struggling with my faith. My son has left the church. He's left the faith. And uh, he is showing me evidence where science has disproved all of the Bible. And I don't, I'm not even sure Jesus is real. And so here's a man that's struggling with all of that. And uh, this was before I wrote the book, and this was just a, another reason for me to write the book, another encouragement. And uh, I talked with that pastor, and he was like, "What? How do I? How do I help somebody like that?" And I said, "Well, we went over a few things, but the book was written for people like that, so that they can see, yes, there is evidence within the Bible." Uh, that proves that Jesus is God, that proves he is the Messiah. And here's why you can believe in him. And I was talking with a previous uh, church member just the other day uh, on Facebook, and she shared with me that um, during this pandemic, she started reading the Bible all the way through for herself. She'd always read, um, you know, whatever 
the sermon was about or whatever Sunday school lesson was about, but she'd never just sat down and read the whole Bible herself. And she decided to do that, uh, at least for the New Testament. And she said she absolutely loved it. And she's, she's a senior citizen. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time that she's actually sat down and done that. Yeah. And so I feel a lot of people do not have the tools that they need in order to be able to share with their loved ones. Yes, I've come across that many times myself. Um, You'd be surprised how many elderly haven't really even read the Bible themselves or just going on things that they've been told all their life. So whether it's from millennials to, uh, what are we called? Boomers and (laughs) and even beyond that, um, we all need the foundation of the word of God. That's the most important part. And then I remember Charles Spurgeon would comment, you know, those that do know the Bible themselves, it's our responsibility. I think like you did in this book to cut it up into bite-sized pieces and be able to serve it to others until they're ready to be able to serve their own meal of meat from the Bible. Um, Yeah. We need to help them get from the milk just like a baby uh, needs the milk until they can get to solid food on their own. God says yes. to grow in wisdom, taste yes, and see that he is good. So yeah, I'm really appreciative of the book that you have written. So I'm, I'm happy to be able to help and share it. Uh, you mentioned there's a leadership training thing that you do. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're doing that with the pastors as well. Do you want to share a little bit more about that? I mean, are people... Can we see that online anywhere? Uh, is it just local or do you do it online? How does that work? I don't do it online, honestly. Uh, I, for something like that, I am a, a more of an in-person kind of guy. <laughs> okay. But uh, while I was a pastor, John Maxwell was one of the mentors that were out there that I read his books and uh, saw his videos, and they helped me tremendously in becoming a better leader within the church. And I truly believe that for church leaders, leadership is one of the things that is severely lacking with, uh, with pastors and associate pastors and youth leaders. And a lot of them do not even realize that that's the missing piece that they're looking for. And if, few years ago, um, I came across the opportunity to go through some training with John Maxwell and to join the John Maxwell team. And uh, they take you through this training to be a better speaker and a better trainer. And you go through a coaching, executive coaching process or certification and training uh, that helps you to be able to sit down with other pastors. The coaching is a little different than mentoring or, mm-hmm. or counseling, but it's a great program. And the pastors that I coach and have taken through coaching, they've just absolutely enjoyed it. A couple of them, a few of them were skeptical at the beginning, but as they got into the process, it was like opening a door for them. And then I also do training for staff. Uh, I recently did a church. They had about 18 staff which they wanted everybody to go through, including secretaries. They wanted to to go through the leadership training because it helps no matter what your position is. Knowing the principles of leadership helps you to be uh, a better person 
in the position that you're working in and, and in your own life. And so we took them through the whole thing. It was uh, about a 12, uh, 12 week process there. And that's the, the type of uh, training and coaching that I do with that. Okay. And then in your book here, I see a little blurb about um, what the book covers. It says, read ancient prophecies, revel in divine signs, explore eyewitness accounts, and comb through historical documents to find the hidden truth that is missing from the church today. Although many in the church today have their eyes diverted from the truth of Jesus's identity, you can look to the word and once again see the powerful, life-transforming truth of Christ. Yes. What I wanted to do was look at the four Gospels and see what evidence there was there. Because the Gospel writers did not just write the Gospels to give us a biography of Jesus or to... uh, only deliver some of his teachings, but they wanted to also convince you that Jesus was God, that he wasn't just a carpenter or just a good teacher, but that he was actually God come to earth Yes, in order to save us. And it's got the gospel message in it, but it also has proofs within it. And if you look at each of the gospels, what you discover is, uh, each gospel writer, just like they've got a target audience themselves, they also have uh, proofs that they believe will reach the audience that they're writing for. Example, Matthew puts a lot of fulfilled prophecy within his gospel. Uh, And so I look at that as proof that Jesus fulfilled that prophecy, so therefore Jesus is the prophesied Messiah. And then if we look at the Gospel of John, John is very direct about why he wrote his Gospel and why he includes seven specific miracles that Jesus did, which covers the whole arena of the powers of God. These are things that only God could do. And so therefore, if Jesus is doing them, it is a sign, it is a testimony, an authentication of Jesus's uh, divinity. And so I go through each of the different miracles that John records and shows how this demonstrates that Jesus is God. And then I take a look at Luke, and Luke was um, a historian as well as a gospel writer. And in both his gospel and the book of Acts, he records different historical markers in order to be able to help us place the time period of when all of this happens. And so we look at those historical markers that he's got there in order to help us understand when did all this take place? Uh, and because, uh, and I include not only in that, but I also include documents that are outside the Bible to prove that Jesus did historically live. Uh, that's one of the things that bothers me the most, I believe, is when I'll see major newspapers that'll publish some kind of an article around Christmas saying that Jesus never walked this earth, that there really was never a historical Jesus. It was a made-up, fictional character, made up two or three hundred years after he was supposed to have been here. So I go through historical documents that attest to the historicity of Jesus Christ. I include those in there. And then uh, for the Uh, Gospel of Mark. 
he is so focused on the urgency of knowing Jesus Christ and the urgency that the uh, kingdom of heaven is at hand and that uh, Jesus is, uh, he's, he's God come down to earth. And so I look at his message of God, the gospel that he has there, and it's kind of the summation of the book with uh, the gospel of Mark there. Wonderful. Yes. And we certainly see that all around us. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it brings fear to some people's hearts and it brings joy and peace to others. Those that know Jesus, we find peace in these words and we want to share it with others. So I really thank you for writing this book so that we can take a look at the real Jesus, restoring the real picture of who Jesus is. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners um, where we can purchase your book or find you online, anything like that? I'll be putting show notes. So all the specific links will be in this episode. Well, the book is, it's published by uh, Westbo Press. And so it's available on, in any online bookstore that, uh, that you want to uh, look at. Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all the, all the different sites. I do have a website for the book and it's just restoringjesus.com. And you can go there, you can read a, a example or a sample from the book. You can order it from there. You can learn a little bit more about me. Um, I have an author's page on Amazon.com. I have a Facebook page, uh, which is Restoring Jesus. And I also have a a Twitter account, which it's under my name, but I focus mostly on the book on that uh, Twitter account. And that's just uh, Jeffrey Elliott. Those are ways that you can get in in contact with me. Uh, I am available. uh, I've had people ask, can you come and share the book with our church? I am available to do that if you'd like for me to do that. Okay, so what's the best way of all of those choices for people to contact you if they have a question about the book or speaking? Honestly, it's probably Facebook. It's going to be my Facebook page, Restoring Jesus. And you can just uh, private message me there and ask whatever questions. You you can ask them right on the page if you want to. Okay, and I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to find out about your book and share you with our listeners. And I pray that this will be a blessing to parents, to everyone, the whole world. If it's about Jesus, it's a good thing. About the real Jesus, it's good for everybody to read. Yes, and I I appreciate you having me on. It's a great honor to be on with you, and I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find Moments with Moni on any Apple or Android podcast player or at my blog, Moments with Moni, or on a new community Facebook group. Come join the conversation. Thanks for listening. God bless you.